Hello and welcome to another episode of the Jimmy Rex Show. Today on the podcast, we have a special guest, Mr. Brandon Dawson, and he is the co-founder and CEO of Cardone Ventures, partnered with Grant Cardone, um, sold his last business for $151 million, and he essentially is just an expert on all things that have to do with business and growth and uh, raising capital, other things like that. And so I really enjoyed this podcast. Brandon is a wealth of knowledge. Um, was lucky to be able to have him on the show. I know you will learn a lot from this. So without further ado, let's get to the podcast with Mr. Brandon Dawson. Well, Brandon, thanks for being on the podcast, my friend. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to have you on here. Yeah, thanks for having me on your show. I was excited to be on. Yeah, I had uh, your partner, Grant Cardone, about two years ago. And man, you guys are uh, doing some huge things. And um, what was cool is I started, you know, I've seen you on stages and I've, I've heard you talk before. I've heard your wife talk before, but I'd never uh, actually, you know, really looked into all of the accomplishments you've had and pretty impressive resume, man. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah. So I want to kind of, before we get into what you're doing now um, with Cardone Ventures and all the different projects you guys are working on, I kind of want to back into your story a little bit because I think one of the cool things that I think you do really well is you articulate the lessons that you learned along the way and you now get to use those lessons to help people. It's kind of what you're doing with Cardone Ventures uh, and helping entrepreneurs. Yeah. So, you know, uh, I was very fortunate. Um, you know, my I grew up kind of uh, truly the rich dad, poor dad uh, life. My parents divorced when I was eight years old and I moved from from uh, Oregon to Minneapolis and grew up with my mom and my stepdad. And he was an entrepreneur. Uh, he founded his company in, in the late 60s. And by the time I moved in with him in 1976, he was maybe doing a half a million dollars in revenue. And by the time I left, my parents got divorced in, in 1990. Uh, five, by the time I left in 95, the business was 350 million in revenue. So I, I got to watch it grow from startup to, to a sizable company. Today, it's still 1.2 billion. Wow. Um, but I went back and lived with my dad and stepmom all through high school, junior high and high school back in Oregon. And they were just a family with trying to raise five kids and put them through school. And I had to work to, and, you know, I always had to work. There's one, one thing growing up is both sides of parents. If you wanted money or if you had time, you needed to be working. So the work ethic was something that I'm so appreciative that that I I got as a kid growing up. Yeah, it's one of the things that I mean, my dad grew up on a ranch. And so one thing that he instilled in us, man, was that work ethic. And it is funny, I tell people all the time, whatever problem you have, you can usually work your way out of it if you're willing to put in the hard work. A lot of times, whatever problem you're facing, whether it be mental, physical, or financial, you're going to be able to work yourself out of that hole, but it requires doing the work. So in your- Nobody else is going to do it for you. That's no, for sure. No, definitely not. So in your case, when did you decide? I know that you originally kind of worked for another company and took a big leap to go out on your own. Maybe talk a little bit of kind of the process of where you got to, where you had your first, you know, where you got kind of kicked out of your first company and eventually started a new one and did it differently. Yeah, so so that family business I was talking about, when I uh, when I graduated high school, I moved to Atlanta from Oregon and became an outside sales rep, and I traveled eleven states and became really independent, you know. And 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 so in 1995, when I decided to leave that business after being the director of U.S. sales in Minnesota, 
I, I wanted to go out and start my own company. And, and so I had a newborn and a two and a half year old. I walked away from a job where I was making 150 grand a year at 26 years old, uh, running a sales team of 28 people um, and, and really just decided it was time for me to do my own thing. And so uh, I saw an opportunity where business owners were ending their life cycle they weren't selling their businesses. They were basically just shutting them down because there was no buyers for their businesses. They're in the medical space. And so I just started going out and talking to business owners saying, hey, if you're thinking about shutting your business down, instead of shutting it down and making no money, why don't you sell it to me and I'll pay you over three to five years and I'll run it. And so I made, I don't know, a hundred of those presentations. I finally found somebody to say yes. And I parlayed that between 27 years old and 29 years old into uh, having four equity rounds. I raised a million dollars and $6 million, then $18 million, and then $10 million. Took the company public. I was one of the youngest guys to ring the opening bell, the American Stock Exchange at 29 years old, and really thought I had the world. Uh, you know, I'm a 2.4 GPA high schooler, barely got out of high school. And yet here I'm running a public company, going to New York, holding lunches on the 88th floor of the World Trade Center with Smith Barney and Salman Brothers and Goldman Sachs and all this before even 30 years old really thought I was I was just on fire only to wake up at 32 years old and have my private equity group call a meeting in New York and say, great job. Uh, we're selling the business and um, thanks for all the hard work. And I said, nah, you can't be selling the business because we're just getting started. And they said, you and every other CEO. So we're going to introduce you to a new boss. He's in the next room. And they kicked me to chairman and he put the company up for sale immediately. So I left to try to buy my company back. And that happened in 2001 and 2002. Wow. That's a cool story. So, and you learned a lot of different things, obviously going through that. And that's a lot of the reason why you started Cardone Ventures so that you could help entrepreneurs do things the right way. Maybe explain a little bit of how Cardone Ventures came about and how you pivoted at that point. Cause you started building up again, your company all over again, and you started doing some different things. Yeah. So, so when they, when they basically, when I left the business in 2002 and tried to buy it back, they sold to an international company. So I was a little, you know, butthurt. I was pissed. I was angry. Uh, you know, I'd started that thing from scratch. We were going to be highly profitable and do like 75, 80 million in revenue. And they sold it to an Italian firm. So I went, I, I spent the next, you know, year, year and a half kind of bitching and moaning about how they screwed me over. And one of my good buddies said, Hey, you know, you got to go back and identify what you did great. You have to own all your bad choices. It basically caused you giving your company away, like needing other people's capital. And, you know, when you use other people's money, they, they get to pull the trigger and make decisions. So I went back and restructured. If I could do it all over again, how would I do it uh, different? And one of the rules I put in place is I wouldn't use anybody else's money. I wouldn't have anybody else control my equity. Um, and then I wrote down all the things I'd want to do that were positive and, and impactful. And I relaunched that business that I created in 2005, June of 2005. It was called Oddigy with a simple, simple premise. Instead of me buying the businesses or franchising the businesses and then cramming down on you and telling you what to do as an employee, how about I give you equity in my management company and I work for you and I build the resources you'll never have in your small business. And so everyone told me it's not going to work. I'm crazy. I launched that business June of 2005 using 
the, the things that I did well and making sure I didn't repeat any of the mistakes with the idea that if I could figure it out in that business, I could figure it out for every small business. So that business I launched in 2005, built it 100% organically, sold it in 2016 for 77 times EBITDA, 150 million to a billion dollar company, deployed what I had built into eight countries for that billion dollar company. And in 36 months, they were worth four and a half billion. So I exited that. And then I partnered with Grant Cardone. My wife and I partnered with Grant Cardone and I brought all those programs and processes and technology and everything I built along with all the research I did from 2009 to 2019 with uh, FTI out of Boston or out of uh, Chicago and IGS out of Boston, shaking down 4,000 different businesses to understand where they break, where they succeed, what the differentials are across 10 elements, strategy, marketing, sales, operations, people, uh, leadership, finance, data, technology, and investment thesis so that I could create a algorithmic pattern for growing and scaling businesses from scratch without the need for other people's money. Wow. And that's what I presented to Grant in 2019. And between 2019 and today, we now have an enterprise value in the new business. It's our fourth year in business. It's worth about $600 million. We manage $1.8 billion in businesses. And uh, it's just unbelievably exciting what we're able to do to help people and the relationships we're building. Yeah, so I have so many questions around that. So my first question is, is so, so do you partner with these companies then and they come in with your system and then you guys help them scale and obviously put into place all these, these 10 things you just mentioned? Or how do people work together with you and Grant? What is the yeah, relationship so what, there? What, obviously, everybody knows Grant to be a, a sales and marketing guru. And across those 10 elements, I would say I'm known to be a guru on the other seven, right? So we put them together and created best of class between the two of us. And, and so what happens is people can come to classes and get educated. And then for those people that get educated and they recognize what they need to do, they can hire us to engineer their business and build their business blueprint. Then for those that do that, they can then go operate their business with the methodologies we've taught them, or they can hire us as an extension of their team to help them implement and deploy and integrate these solutions. And then for those businesses that we engineer and that have hired us, if we really are in love with the business case and we believe it could be a huge business, then Grant and I will offer to partner with them. And then when we partner with them, we not only manage them, but they get all the partners involved with how to build the business. And then we either uh, just grow it organically, or we also go into the marketplace and acquire less performing businesses so that we can grow two ways, either organically and through acquisition or organically and through um, the rapid deployment of our systems and processes. It's like 10X Health. We bought a $3 million business, Dr. or we bought a $3 million business that was owned by Gary Brecka and Sage Workinger. And 18 months later, it's a 5 million a month business. We'll do 60 or 70 million this year. So when we find something that we love, we find leadership teams we enjoy working with, and we see a business case that could be massive, like our HVAC, 10X HVAC, or 10X um, Wealth Management, and these other programs we're rolling out, uh, then we blow them up and, uh, and, and turn them into flagship organizations. Wow. Well, it's such a good example with, you know, Brecca. It's before 
you guys started working with him. I don't think many people had ever heard of him. And now I see him everywhere on my Instagram on people talking about him from stages, all sorts of different things. So it really shows the power of why somebody would uh, work with you guys to pour that fuel on that fire. And, uh, and you know, that's what I, I've seen Tony Robbins kind of use a similar model where he takes, you know, business puts his connections or his network or his name behind him and just kind of pours that gasoline on the fire. Uh, how many different companies have you guys partnered with at this point since you launched? Uh, we have about 35 partnerships all the way from HVAC, plumbing, flooring, um, insurance, uh, dental, um, the health business, some different iterations of health. Um, man, I can't think of them all, but I think we've got about 10, 10 different industry roll-ups going on right now. Wow. 10X Farm and Ranches. You know, so we have the potato farmers, the hay farmers, we've got the horse breeders, the cattle raisers, uh, just about everything you can imagine. Uh, so, so for us, it's really about the people that we build a, and fortify a relationship with, and it's the size of the market. And we have the research team to go out and identify the size of the market. So our investment thesis is we invest in people and then we help formulate the business strategy as long as they know how to do their part within the business. And, and so uh, that's what we're really excited about. My, my goal is to build a $10 billion portfolio with thousands of independent business owners who are grants and my partners, and then take them all to the marketplace. Uh, you know, there's 12, that small to mid-sized business space has 31 and a half million businesses in it. It's a $12 trillion space. Nobody has been able to organize it. Nobody has been able to, to leverage it for the small business owner. They're not able to tap into that. It's usually saved for the Black Rocks and the, the big private equity groups who can roll up and create a dominant player in that space. And so we believe that if we take ordinary business owners, we can help them create extraordinary results, not only for them, but their teams and create a better product and service deliverable to their constituency. So if we can help them do that, there's there's no end in sight. This could be a 10, 20, $100 billion company. Yeah. Well, and you know, so many people get into the entrepreneur space that just really, they have great ideas. They have great thoughts and products, but a lot of times it's the execution. What you, you know, what you are a special, a specialist at that they really have a hard time really putting into place. What are a few of the issues that you've seen nowadays, you know, in 2023, the game changes all the time. What are you seeing with entrepreneurs that are some of the pitfalls that they keep getting into that you, you know, that you guys specialize in and help people avoid? Yeah, good question. Well, uh, the, 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 the 10-year national statistics are out of 31 and a half million small mid-sized businesses in the market, 25 million are sole entrepreneurs. So they're solopreneurs. They wow. still haven't figured out how to hire their first employees. So when you ask me, what are some of the things that they've been plagued with forever? It's the inability to find, attract, align, develop, and retain great people because, they're focused on the what they're trying to do, not on who they need to do it with. And so they might have the technical skills to do something, but they don't have the communication skills to inspire and align people to do it with them. Now you get to the 5.3 million businesses under of the 31 and a half million. They have less than 12 employees and only 600,000 of 31 and a half. So 1.8% of all the small to mid-sized businesses that are under 125 million in revenue have over 12 employees. Wow. So the people issue is the resounding consistent issue across all the SMB space. And, and it's the Achilles heel 
because those founders left where they worked because they didn't want to be told what to do. They didn't want to be held accountable. They didn't want limitation on their earnings. And see, they think everybody else is like them. So they hire people, abdicate, the people can't succeed. And then they get frustrated thinking there's no good people out there. And I have a saying, which is no good people are ever going to work for a shitty business owner. <laughs> That's very well said. I think, you know, it's one of the things I had to learn over the years is we tend to want to hire people that are like us or that we would hang out with, but they have a, a very similar skill set a lot of times. And unfortunately, that doesn't usually bode well for, you know, growth and to be able to get the right people in the right part of the bus, like you're saying. And so for you, I mean, you've obviously, you were able to partner with Grant and you've got a lot of uh, all these different companies, you have to pick people wisely. What are you looking for in a partner? You know, whether it's, you know, partnering with Grant or partnering with these other people, these other businesses, what is it that you're looking for in a partner? And what do you look for in employees as well? Yeah, good question. Uh, so, so it'd be different if I'm looking, if I'm looking to level up with a partner. So John Maxwell and 21 irrefutable laws, to, first law is law of the lid. Lid is a cap and you can't attract people higher than you to go underneath you. So understanding that law, um, in my case, I and Natalie went up to Grant because his his image and his skill set and his belief and his uh, creative ability is so big that I could see myself drafting behind him, supporting him, but also then pursuing my goals uh, underneath him because of the success that he had had. When I'm looking for leaders, I'm looking for leaders that have the same awareness and humility about their skill sets and what they want to draft and who they want to draft behind so that they can use that backdraft to move faster. What I'm not looking for are people with ignorance, intellectual ignorance, intellectual arrogance, who want to make it all about them, who don't respect the accomplishments of others. And so I'm really particular about the people I'll partner with and who I'll work with. And the first indicator I get that they're demonstrating uh, intellectual ignorance or arrogance, I'll disconnect from them because the one thing is, is that you can never forget about how you got to where, where you're at, but you also equally can't ever forget um, of where you're going and who's helping you get there. And there's so many people that want to use people to get to the next level, uh, but then they want to disengage and go find somebody else. And for me, it's like the longer you can preserve great relationships, add value to each other and multiply together, the faster you go. So using Grant as a case in point, when Grant and I partnered, his business, his, his, his real estate fund is five times bigger than where it was when we partnered four years ago. And, his, and my business is three times the size his business was when we partnered four years ago. So what that means is, if you deploy the things I'm good at, combine it with the things he's good at, get him to go focus on the things he's the best at, he's going to spend time, energy, and effort on blowing the things up where he can put his commitment and time. But the backdraft to that is so, so strong, it sucks me up to a greater level of success as well. So that's what good partners should do with each other. And, and when you start letting ignorance and arrogance get involved with that, and start, oh, it's because of me, or I'm a bigger deal, or I, I'm entitled to this or that. It all disintegrates because it's the total sum of the momentum you create together. And when someone steps outside of that, they cause problems. And so when I see a business owner starting to do that, and I don't ask any business owner to do anything different than what I'm willing to do. And my job is to create so much momentum behind Grant that it allows him to be the best version of himself, propelling all of us to a greater level of heights. 
And so when you recognize your roles, contributions, responsibilities, and commitment to each other, everyone in the organization moves faster. Consequently, we now have three companies that have 500 employees versus him having one with 100. Wow. Yeah, no, I think there's a certain, I think you said a word, that a certain humility that you have to have. It's like what you did. I mean, you uh, were already so accomplished, but you were smart enough to recognize that together you'd be able to do so much more with Grant. And you were able to, like you said, kind of ride a little bit of that momentum that he had already, you know, created over years of becoming a marketing and a household brand name in, you know, business and real estate in these different markets that he works in sells. And I think that's, I, I just want to highlight that a little bit because it says a lot about you that you were smart enough to figure that out. And you know what? And and the thing is, he and Elena have been phenomenal mentors to Natalie and I. So where our strengths are, um, where our strengths are, he helps us exemplify those. Where our weaknesses were, he helps bridge those. And so the thing is, the guy's a beast. And 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 you cannot ever take away the 15 years he's been laying the groundwork. And if you look at his accomplishments, he's single-handedly raised more crowdfunding over 1.1 billion than any human in this planet in four years. He's acquired four and a half billion dollars of premium class A space, which in full disclosure, outside of Grant, I'm the second largest investor in the portfolio. So we enjoy that. I enjoy him working his ass off for me. Uh, I love it. He sends me a check every single month. But the flip side of that is he's got me working my ass off for us on the business side. And what's happening is allowing both of us to pursue our goals. It's allowing Natalie and I to be mentored by two remarkable people. And then we can take what we're learning and mentor down to the people following us. So this is how it's supposed to work, right? And and when you can get in that alignment, and John Maxwell talks about true leadership is making other people's success easy. So I wanted a partner, Natalie and I wanted partners who are going to make our success easy because they were such a great example and they're willing to help us. And, and I think what happens is people start to get greedy and they start thinking, okay, well, I've learned what I can learn from them. I want to do my own thing because I don't want to share. When I come across a partner like that with me, I get them out of our system as fast as possible. Yeah, no, I think that's, uh, I have unfortunately saw that a lot when I was younger in my career with real estate, I'd bring people on. And the second they felt like they'd gotten everything they could take for me systems and, you know, just how I did sales and all these different things, they want to go on their own. And they could have kept riding all the momentum I had and learned so much more. But that, you know, short-term greed kicked them out of my life very quickly. And I'll give you an example. I hired a guy who, you know, pawned himself off as being a, a guru in marketing and all this other stuff. And so I hired him and he was with me for a couple of years. And, and you know, when what he, he just, you know, he had demands that were not reasonable. And so I was like, all right, man, go do your own thing. He's like, oh, well, we'll see how the company does without me. And that's when that's when we were uh, we went went to 14 and a half million. So we went from two and a half million in our first five months to uh, 14 and a half million our first year. And he was like, we'll see how you do without me. And it was the best thing that happened because as soon as he was removed, we went to 38 million. Then we went to 83 million. So so and the people we have now are absolutely crushing it. So the first inclination when people need to go is when they think the world revolves around them. And that's true for the founder, too. Yeah, that's very well said. Well, as far as, you know, Grant, one thing I love about Grant is, 
you know, people have their opinions, but that dude absolutely does what he says he's going to do. And there's so much honor in that. I love that about Grant. In fact, for myself, whenever I feel like I need a kick in the ass, I go listen to the audiobook 10X. That's what I tell people. I said, look, if you need that kick in the ass, that's the best kick in the ass out there, in my opinion, for a businessman. And I wanted to ask you, I mean, you, as much as anybody uh, and your wife, Natalie, have a front row seat to watch what it means to 10X. I just wanted to see maybe if you could speak to that a little bit of kind of what you've learned or what truly that looks like. Because I think a lot of people hear that and they're like, yeah, okay, 10X, whatever. But like, you've been able to see what that looks like from, you know, a very uh, close seat. So I want to kind of get your opinion. Yeah. And I, I just want to tell everybody, you know, it took me, it pre-grant, it took me 14 years to go from startup to $35 million in revenue. And, and my business was earning about two and a half million, even though I sold it for one of the highest values because of what I built for 150 million, it still was 14 years to get there. With Grant, uh, in our fourth year in business this year, we're on pace to do about $135 million in revenue. And our profit this year will be greater than the total revenues that I had the year I sold. So when people want to talk about 10X, here's the thing. Um, imagine taking 14 years to build a revenue base of $35 million. And then imagine in our third year, the year we just finished, we made $35 million in profit. So imagine 14 or 12 to 14 years to generate 35 million in revenue, 36 months to make 35 million in profit. So that's a true 10x. Mm -hmm. And 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 what Grant is a genius, as is Elena, they are remarkable in finding the closest way to move from point A to point B structurally. And, and what they do is they challenge you to move through those faster. So when I showed him my breakpoints that I've been building since 2010, he was like, dude, if we could pull businesses through those breakpoints faster, not just by educating them, but partnering with, coming alongside of them, deploying, training their teams for them. If we could do that, everyone in the ecosystem could move 10X. And so this is the thinking that Grant and Elena bring to the equation because you know, there's no one X or two X or five X. There's like, if we can make an incremental move, what do we need to do to 10 times that move next year? So you're always being pressed to think more, increase activity and get bigger results. Now people get confused with that. They think, oh, all you need to do is just increase your activity 10 X. The truth is you have to be thinking, I got to increase my activity 10 X. But if you're properly building your business, you can actually work smarter, not harder, and you can get a 10X multiplier for less effort. And people that ask me, they're like, how can you possibly do that? I'll tell you how. If you're the business owner and you're grinding and pushing and grinding and working 15 hours or 18 hours and under pressure seven days a week, you can actually achieve a 10X growth by finding 10 people to do one-tenth of the things that you do. Yeah teach them to do it as the team, and then they multiply by 10. So your results multiply. That's how you go from 1 million or 100,000 to 1 million, 1 million to 10 million, 10 million to 100 million. And what we're doing right now is demonstrating that in real life. So imagine you can be trained by the people who went from dead stop 
no deployed capital, no startup money. We don't have one penny in this company to in our fourth year, we'll do $130 million and make $50 million of profit. Now, if, and I'm not afraid to open my books up. You know, the other thing is when we first started trying to figure out who should we partner with, my wife, she's half my age. Natalie's like, you should look at some of these social media influencers. I'm a traditional business guy. So I'm like, oh, I don't know, let's look at them. And she starts showing me these people. I'm like, this is a joke. None of these, these people do not know what they're talking about. Like for if you're a piano tuner and someone's pretending to be an expert piano tuner and you hear the language they're using, you know, they're full of shit, yeah. especially when you go listen to the piano. In Grant's case, the first book she forced me to listen to is 10X Rule. And at first I resisted it because of his online persona. First thing I saw was this guy with his hat on crooked running in front of an airplane, throwing money in there going, hey, Grant Cardone here. And I was like, oh man, I can't have anything to do with this. It's like cartoon hour. But once I listened to 10X Rule, I was like, okay, like the piano tuner, I'm like, this guy knows what he's talking about. So we went to the 2019 growth conference. We did not know him. We didn't know anybody in his organization. We bought front row seat tickets for 35 grand. A dear friend of mine, one of my closest friends and mentors, John Maxwell, was speaking there. We went to dinner with him the night before. John looked at me and said, what are you doing here? I looked at John and said, to check out if this guy's the real deal or not. And so, in fact, I was just editing my, my book that's going to go. Uh, it's my first book. John wrote the foreword for it. And I was reading his foreword, and he talks a little bit about his and my experience together over the last 12 years, but what a pivotal moment this was watching this explosion happen uh, by partnering with Grant. And what I'll tell you is when you get around the right people with the right intentions, and especially when they're the right type of mentors, there is no limitation other than the limitations you impose on yourself or your community has imposed on you. So if you're pulling P-O-L-L-I-N-G, your friends, your family, your, your lawyer who tells you not to take us uh, any kind of risk, who works by themselves, of course, your accountant who's telling you you should not make an investment and they're working by themselves, your friends are telling you don't hire any more people and all the wrong people that you're listening to. So if you're pulling P-O-L-L-I-N-G, you're getting pulled P-U-L-L-E-D down because everyone's self-limiting thoughts are imposing your ability to be creative. So your job is to pull P-U-L-L, pull yourself up to someone who's an example, learn from them, add value to their life, and they'll add value to your life. And if you can live that way, you'll attract remarkable people around you. Well, you know, I teach networking a lot. It's one of the number one things that I get asked to speak on. I speak at the local university every year to their business class. It's the university I couldn't get in, coincidentally. But, um, and I talk about this very concept is, you know, and Tony Robbins says it really well, is proximity is power, right? You have to get around these people that have a bigger vision for what this life is, that have a bigger vision for what you truly can accomplish. Because a lot of times we go to people for advice that, aren't doing anything themselves and we, they mean well, and we mean well, but unfortunately those people are going to, because they love you, they want you to play it safe. You talked, you know, about your lawyer and your account, but your family and some of those people do the same thing. Like you, I think the most important part of that story, if you guys heard that was you spent $35,000 to have a front row seat, knowing damn well, you would be able to get into Grant's world and actually be able to see what this guy was all about. Grant's a smart man too. He knows the guy sitting on the front row paid 35 grand to be there. He's gonna want to engage with that person and find out what they're all about. I've done the same thing. I've, I've spent over $900,000 on personal coaching, mentoring. You know, my personal one-on-one -on -one coach right now is Ed Milet. 
and I pay a fortune to be around somebody like that that just has the ability to think on a level so much greater than anybody I've ever been around in my life before. And so I, I just want to first just kind of like point to like the genius of what you did there. And look what's happened. You've been able to partner in just four years, by the way, and create so much wealth, so much income, all these different things, because you already knew what you were bringing to the table. All you needed to do was plug it into a machine that also has a couple of those extra things. And you guys together have been able to build this Cardone Ventures that it really is, uh, is pretty crazy what you guys have been able to do in four years. Um, so I just wanted to kind of, you know, highlight that a little bit of that part of your story. Yeah, I, and I want to, I want to echo what you're saying, you know, um, you know, I'll, I'll give you an example. Like I have never, like I've written some of the biggest checks just to be in somebody's living room so they can meet me supporting something that's important to them. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people, they want to show up and get something out of the living room. They, 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 they want to, before I show up and spend time with you in your living room and write this check, what are you going to do for me? And, and those people are so easy to spot. Mm -hmm. And to be honest with you, I don't want anything to do with those people because I know they use. And so knowing that and being around this my whole life, I'm like, Hey, I'm, I'm going to just, I will always write the check to be in proximity now, in some of those cases, I go in and see, and I'm like, maybe this isn't the right thing for me, but I never regret making the investment or the commitment to be there. So like you, I mean, I have a leadership program I've had now since 2009. I've run, I don't know, a thousand people through it. Um, and I wasn't going to do it because it takes a lot of energy for me. And I've created a 300 video series. It's been very well. It's taken all the authors I mentored under, wow. people I became close to. Plus I reshot, I had to reshoot the whole thing because of the stuff I've learned from Grant and Elena. And, and so I launched that program 36 months ago. I charge $180,000 for it's 15 months. Wow. And the reason I charge 180,000 is because it consumes so much of my personal time to build. Cause I have to dedicate personal time to the people in the program as well. And, and I thought, okay, maybe a few people will do this. Right. Cause everyone wanted private coaching. Mm -hmm. And I was charging 150,000 for 10 hours of private coaching. And I couldn't take more than eight a month. And it was always full. And I, and people were asking for more. This is all new to me, by the way. Like I, if you would have told me that I could command that kind of price in the marketplace three, five years ago, I wouldn't have believed it, but there's so much demand for real advice and real guidance from a real example. That's why you pay Ed Milet that much money. So so, so to me, it's like today I have 200 people in that program. It's like a $25 million program for me. Wow. And, 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 and it is the greatest group of people I've ever met with. And I'll tell you why that is, because you said something a minute ago, and I'll give you the most classic example. I too could never get into a community college without taking tests, let alone a Harvard, a Stanford, a Wharton, like a, a London school of economics, like None of that would even have been on my radar, Pepperdine, like none of that stuff. Right. And, and yet I've been at, I've been invited to be a speaker and I've qualified to register for like the three-year Harvard executive program where I'm part of the Harvard club and all that. And, and, and I almost have done it a few times just cause I know it would make my dad proud. Right. Cause I was the high, I was the high schooler that barely got out of high school. But the fact here is um, the, the fact with these things are when you succeed, People will want you around them. So uh, the most recent example to what you said is one of those programs 
It could have been Harvard or Wharton or Stanford. I won't say which one. They launched a program, how to build a unicorn company in five years. Now, a unicorn company is defined by a company that starts up and it's worth a billion dollars within five years. The first, I, so I registered for it. And I'm like, oh, I want to hear this. The guy teaching it's a $3 million dentist. So I asked I ask the professor a question. Why do they have somebody teaching how to build a unicorn company who can't even build a business greater than $3 million? Like it's, it's not even logical to me. It means he's teaching something he doesn't know and he hasn't done. That's in itself the problem with all these social media bullshitters. It's the problem with college. People are teaching things they actually don't know anything about. And when people pay money for that and don't get the result, if they have resilience, they want the real deal. And I saw an opportunity in the marketplace. Hey, come in, see what we're doing. I'll open up my profit and loss statement for every single month from the day I started this business. Just to play a simple game we learned as kids. Follow the leader. And if I've done something you've not yet done, just follow my lead and I'll show you exactly how I did it. And you know what I found is in the marketplace, especially with Grant with the megaphone, there is a massive appetite for people that want the real deal. Yeah, no, it's, it's you know, the problem when we were younger is there wasn't anywhere to go to to find you know, people trying to teach this stuff. Now it's the opposite problem. There's so much noise, right? And you have to really look at what is the background of this person teaching this thing? How much, one thing you said, you said, I opened my book up, books up. I do the same thing with real estate investing. I've sold over 7,000 real estate properties back in my real estate career with me and my partner. And I actually did a book one time. I interviewed a hundred of the top millennial real estate agents across the country. And I asked them the same seven questions. And one of the questions was, what's your own personal real estate investing philosophy? And what does your portfolio look like? And over half of the top agents in the country did not own an investment real estate property. They don't even know how to do it. And so, you know, it's I tell people all the time, if you're going to, whatever you're trying to do, whoever you're hiring to, to help you with that thing, make sure they believe in the concept themselves. Make sure they themselves have gone forward and actually learned it and do it themselves as well. Um, Another thing that you've done really well that I want to selfishly ask you about is um, you found an amazing wife who is just a rock star in every sense of the word. Success leaves clues. Talk to people that have done it. Um, I want to know basically what your um, kind of what you did in preparation for in finding a wife as amazing as you have. She's incredible in, in all the different ways. And uh, I, again, success leaves clues. So asking somebody who's done it and gone before, I would love to uh, pick your brain on that a little bit. Yeah, this is the one thing I got to say where, you know, God was just really good to me. <laughs> I got really super lucky. Let me tell you something. Her mother has been my best friend for 21 years, and she's also been my doctor, my personal doctor. So I know I've known her since she was young. And, and I've watched her growing up. I knew what kind of human being she was. Uh, she was always a 4.0 student. Uh, but what happened, and she had worked as an intern in my companies from being in, through high school. So I watched her grow up. But she left when she was, I think she was 20 or 21 years old. She left and went to the London School of Economics. And when she came back, she was a little different person than when she left. And, and uh, I, I, at that point, had, had gone through a divorce. I had three beautiful kids from a previous uh, marriage, and I wasn't really looking to, to get married. I was going to just kind of throw myself into the career. And so when she came back, uh, she ended up running one of my portfolio companies, and we just fortified and developed a relationship. 
And then one day I asked her, Hey, is this going beyond just being, you know, like familiar friends, family, whatever. And when she, when she said she thought it was, and I said, agreed with her, we went and talked to her mom and said, Hey, we think that this is moving beyond just being close. And, uh, her mom's like, man, uh, you know, she loves us both independently. And she's like, just do me a favor. You guys date for six months. And if you really think you want to do something, you're going to have to go talk to her dad, but he may want to throw you off the roof of the house. So anyhow, I, I just, you know, it was a proximity thing. Um, but the quality of, of that, of my wife, uh, is all the way from when she was a kid, she's just a remarkable human being. And I never, ever, ever would have thought ever that I would have even been in the situation where she and I are married. Um, and it's, you know, twists and turns here or there. And, and, and it hasn't been easy for a variety of reasons. I mean, it would have been easier if we didn't know each other. Sure. Um, and, and the fact that we were already integrated in the community and people knew us, you know, we had to deal with rumors and innuendos and, uh, you know, a lot of that stuff. And, and, uh, but we got through it on the other side, we've been together now. Um, let's see, we've been together now, married almost two years. We were supposed to get married in or in, uh, October of, of 2020, but COVID hit. So we got married in October of 21, but we've been together since September of, of 15. So what is that? Eight, almost eight years wow. now. Yeah. Um, and, and she is just an absolute remarkable human being. And she, I say she's a triple threat because she's stunningly gorgeous. She is remarkably intelligent and she's the kindest human being I know. Wow. What do you, um, what do you and her do? I, I know when you're working together, a lot of times, actually I'm working with a friend right now and him and his spouse work a lot together and it's caused a lot of problems because unfortunately in business, sometimes the woman has to go into her masculine a lot. And I think Elaine and your wife are good examples of women that kick butt in business that are able to stay in their feminine. I think that's part of their power and why they come off so kind and beautiful and those other things. But what, I guess, just from a strategy standpoint, how do you work together with your wife to make sure that you don't let it overlap and take away some of the passion from the romance of being married and having that relationship. Yeah, it's a good question. And, and out of fairness, you know, she and I don't have kids. She doesn't want to have kids. I've already, I have three beautiful daughters, three grandkids. Um, it is entirely different when you put a blend of working together and you throw kids on top of it. That's something fortunately that we don't have in our relationship. I want to acknowledge that though, because there's a lot of working married couples and I want to acknowledge because I understand how much more difficult it is when you add kids to that mix and you're drawn and mutual, you know, you're getting pulled in multiple directions. Uh, for us, it's already hard enough without kids, right? So with kids, it's that much more difficult. But um, I would tell you for us, it's it's about, I've worked with her for so long and I know what her skill sets are. She's the operator. She's the integrator. She's been building my concepts for years with me. She understands and can articulate our methodologies. And I'm kind of at a place in my career where I don't want to have to run 200 employees. I don't want to interview everybody. I don't want to hire everybody. I don't want to train everybody. I don't want to do all the PPF conversation. Like, like I've done that for so long with thousands of people that we just came to an agreement that, look, I'm going to do my part. I'm going to innovate. I'm going to, I'm going to do the sales. I'm going to do the promotion. Uh, when it comes to the executive team, you and I are going to pick who we're going to bring in together. But outside of that, I don't actually want to run the day-to-day -day operations of the business. So 
she's able to flourish in that area and not have me interfere with it. So I don't sit in the operating meetings and all these things. She, I implicitly trust her decision-making. What that allows me to do is to move into my superpower, fortify, build relationships, be where I need to be, go sit with kings and queens and royalty and business owners and billionaires to put deals together. And so we found our lane. And I think Elena does a remarkable job in building an empire um, where she talks about how as spouses, and it also works for business partners, to set your personal and collective goals so that you can complement each other and not conflict with each other. There's a very specific process that she teaches. In fact, we had a couples retreat in Cabo three weeks ago she ran. And it was phenomenal. Like, like I've never seen people come in in two days, be able to transform their life quite that quickly. Because I think it's like everything else in business. If you're technically out of yaw, so you're doing things with the right intention, you're just going about it the wrong way. So you're technically out of yaw. You create these small collisions that compound and, and pile up. And when your spouse is, you tend to carry that home. And, and so if you're mad at work, you're mad at home and it, it amplifies. So learning how to separate and disengage the work from the family life is in itself a taught process. So if you're not intentionally learning, it's not going to happen by accident. But once you do learn it, you can learn, you can learn how to help each other be in your superpower. And for us, we've just really worked hard. And trust me, we've had some full head-on train wrecks. Mm -hmm. But the thing I love about my wife is she can get really pissed in the moment and 10 minutes later, come back and say, okay, well, nothing that we're dealing with is more important, more impactful, and more um, incredible than our love for each other. So that was that. Let's let it go. Let's go watch a movie or let's go put our energy on something else. I think a lot of people get stuck and they can't let it go, which is a, a superpower she has, and she's helped me deploy as well. So that, that's just some advice, but recognizing that if you're not intentionally working on how to do that in your relationship at work, it will interfere. I talk about breakpoints, and I promise you, one to three million, three to, to eight million, eight to 15, 15 to 25, 25 to 45, I see... You are guaranteed to have a break point personally, professionally, or financially at any one of those break points at any point in time. And most likely you will not see it coming. And I say that because I've helped business owners go from 30 to 50 million. And all they wanted was to finally get to where they had financial independence and they love each other so much. Three years later, they're at 50 million getting divorced. Something, if you allow it, will wedge between you. So then you can't allow it and you have to come up with a process not to allow it. Wow. There's so much wisdom in that. Thank you for, for sharing that. Well, last thing, I know you mentioned your book coming out. I'd love to hear a little bit of, about more what that's all about and where we can learn more about you, Brandon, where I can send people that want to uh, get the book or just learn more from what you're doing. That's awesome. Thank you. Um, so the book is about my journey and it uses my mistakes and how I learned to overcome them and what the result was. So it's, it's literally a detail, uh, uh, of, uh, I, it's not necessarily an autobiography, I guess it is, but it, it, what's most important is like how I finally recognized, wait a minute, somebody's mentoring me versus, Oh, they're a friend or I should get advice. And then learning to be mentored, like 
opening myself up to learning to be mentored and then what the result was and then how I took people I was learning from like authors, John Maxwell, Sharon Lecter, Jim Collins, Robert Anthony, uh, how I took authors, uh, Michael Gerber to some ex extent, how I took these authors that were authors, I didn't know them. And then over a course of seven, eight, nine, ten years, how they all became dear friends mm -hmm. and then how I helped them which then they helped me. It's a different level of connection. I just went step by step. Like, here's what my thought was. Here's what my action was. Here was the result. Here's how it came full circle because I'm trying to deliver to people how to move through algorithmically the things that interfere with our ability to succeed bigger, better, faster. And it just tells my journey and the journey of about a dozen business owners at different points that ran into the same friction and what the results were on the other side. So if you, you know, you can follow me on Instagram. It's uh, um, at Brandon M Dawson on Instagram, or you can go to bdawson.com. And uh, my book will, I'll start pre-selling probably in about 30 days, still finalizing the title. You know, it's weird. I've never written a book before. The it's process tricky. is interesting. Yeah. Uh, I, I tried to write a book 10 years ago and I spent three years trying to come up with a title and I realized you're supposed to write and the title will present itself. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate that. I, you know, it's funny that you mentioned Michael Gerber. I actually, as you were talking earlier in the podcast, I was thinking to myself, I wonder if he's mentored with, uh, Michael Gerber. That's obviously the e-myth and because just the way that you were talking about things, it's reminded me of him a little bit. And so, um, actually the relationship I have with Grant Cardone was the relationship that was being negotiated between me and Michael Gerber in 2009 and 10. And I decided one of my mentors told me, Hey, before you try to go do a hundred verticals, why don't you complete the one that's the, 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 the one that's the example, because if you screw that up, you lose your whole story. Wow. So I actually pulled away from doing this that I'm doing now and focused on selling at the highest value ever paid for a private business to show the strength of what we built and, and that, that mentor of mine was, was John Dunhuckle, who's the managing partner for Leonard Green. They're, I don't know, $40, $50 billion private equity group. So it was great advice. Wow. Well, this um, entire interview has been full of pearls. We're going to be cutting some of this up for social media. Thank you again, Brandon. Uh, appreciate your time, man. Looking forward to reading the book. Looking forward to see more of your adventure and getting to know you more as well. So thanks again for your time, my friend. Thanks for having me on your show. Thanks again for listening to this podcast. Uh, and this podcast was brought to you by Steve DeYoung over at Trillion Mortgage. I've, I've sold thousands of homes in my real estate career, and there's nobody I trust more than Steve over at Trillion Mortgage. So reach out to him, give him a call if you're looking to refinance your home or to maybe buy a new property. Again, thank you for listening to the podcast. If you liked what you heard, do me a favor. This is a, this is a free podcast. The one thing I ask of my audience is to leave me a review. This just helps me to get better and better guests to let more people know about this show so they too can benefit from the Jimmy Rex show. Thank you again for listening and we will talk to you on the next episode.